After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the good news. I want you to listen very carefully to those words. They, they set the tone for all of Mark's gospel, which follows. And they are so very important. Every word in, those, in that verse or two verses is important. I want, to, I want to look at them almost individually as we go. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God proclaiming, proclaiming. He didn't come into Galilee debating the good news of God. He didn't come into Galilee discussing the good news of God. He didn't come into Galilee trying to convince anyone of the good news of God. He came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. That is, it's an announcement. You know what an announcement is? It's not something you debate, it's just the way things are. When you're in school, if the principal or the, or the headmaster announces that school's getting out that day, what? It's getting out that day. That's the way it is. In Saudi Arabia, they just recently announced that the king had died. Is that debatable? No, it's just an announcement. The king has died. There, an announcement is like that. You might get an announcement in the mail that says, Sam and Sarah are getting married on April 22nd. Is that something you debate or discuss? No, it's just the way it is. Sam and Sarah are getting married. What Jesus did was make an announcement. He announced, Mark says, the good news of God. The good news of God. Now, before we even give that any content, before we say what that might even mean, there's one thing you know about the good news. What's the first thing you know about the good news? The very first thing you know about the good news? It's that it's not bad news. Good news is by definition not bad news. Now I can tell you, I've been a pastor for more than 40 years, and one of the things I've learned from Christian people and people who are non-Christian, I think about half the people within the church hear the good news as bad news, and about three-fourths or nine-tenths of the people outside the church hear the good news as bad news. They always hear it's something they have to do or something that they, they have to get right or get themselves right or this or that. It's not about what God has done or that's not what they hear. It's not good news. It's always something I've got to do. I've got to do. Some way I've got to reform. I've got to make things better. I've got to become acceptable to God. And then God will love me. That's just bad news. They say it, but it's bad news. The good news is good news. The good news of God, and we will give that some content in just a minute, but that's the first thing I want you to know, that he came proclaiming good news. Good news. Then Luke, or Mark tells us, Jesus said, he said, the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand, or has come near, whatever. The time is fulfilled. What time? Well, the time when God's going to do something. The time that everybody's been waiting for. They've been waiting for a thousand years for God to, to restore David's kingdom. 
The time we've all been waiting for, and we've been waiting for, the time is fulfilled. This is the time. This, not some other time, but this time, right now. That's what he's saying. This is the time. This is the time you've been waiting for. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom, well, first of all, it's not about real estate. It's not about a place. The kingdom of God is the reign of God, the rule of God. I think St. Saint, Saint Matthew, perhaps, uh, started this business when instead of talking about the kingdom of God, Matthew always says the kingdom of heaven. And the reason he does that is not because he's talking about a place. He's talking, he, he's a good Jew and he doesn't want to use the name God. So he uses heaven as a euphemism for God. He says the kingdom of heaven instead of saying the kingdom of God. But he's not pointing to a place. But Christians, I don't know, for hundreds of years have made it into a place and when they hear the word kingdom, they immediately think of somewhere out there. Hmm? That it's a place I'm going to go when I die. A pie in the sky by and by when I die. You've all heard that, haven't you? Well, I'm not opposed to that place out there, but I'm much more excited about a place or a rule that's right here. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The rule of God, the reign of God, right here among us. That's what he's talking about. He said, it's at hand. If your hymnal is at hand, where is it? Right there, right there. You can reach out and get it. If, if your pencil is at hand, where is it? It's right there. Your, your cell phone, is it at hand? Yeah. Your cell phone is at hand, it's right there. You can get it. That's the way the kingdom is. He says it's right here, right, right here. The kingdom, God's reign, God's rule among us is right here. Okay, so you want to know what that means? I'll tell you. Read the next two or three chapters of St. Mark's Gospel because he tells you exactly what it means. He, he casts out demons. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. It's all right there. One, it's just bing, 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 bing. He does it. That's, that's the shape of the kingdom. It's healing and forgiveness and love and cleansing. And he does it over and over again. He just, they keep bringing people to him. Because he loves them and heals them. That's what he does. That's the, the content of the kingdom then and now. That's the content for you. You are loved. You are forgiven. He's come to heal you, to make you whole. That's, that's God's will for you, God's kingdom for you today, right now. So Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, what's the very last thing to be mentioned in that, in that verse? What's the very last thing? Repent. Not the first thing. The last thing. Well, in, in my ministry over the years, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people, preachers, people in the church say, if you repent, God will forgive you. Boy, is that getting it wrong. That is just getting it wrong. It puts repentance first, and repentance isn't first. The good news comes first. The good news always precedes repentance. Did you hear me say that? Nod your head. The good news precedes repentance. 
The good news is what brings us to repentance. And repentance, friends, and I've told you this already half a dozen times in my time here, repentance is not about beating your breast and, and, and worrying about how bad you are. Repentance is, is simply changing your mind, turning around, going in a new direction. That's what repentance is. And that's exactly what happens in this story. It, there's, it's illustrated. The next two or three verses, that's what happens. The next verses say, and Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Peter and Andrew. And he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. That's repentance. That's repentance. Do you see? It, it doesn't say a word about them getting down on their knees and saying, oh, I'm a terrible, awful sinner. I, oh, this is awful. No, it's not there. What did they do? They followed. And why did they follow? Because they heard good news. They had heard good news. They knew that the kingdom was here in this person, that he was here in their midst. The kingdom was in their midst. And, and I don't know any other way to say it. They just couldn't help themselves. They, they had to turn and follow. They had to go. He called them and they had to go. That's the way it was. That's the way repentance works. You hear a word of love and forgiveness and you turn to hear it because it's good news. Uh, if, if you're walking down the street and somebody says, you're a no good rotten bum, you usually turn around and go back to them. Well, not unless you're looking for a fight, you don't. You keep right on walking. But if someone says, hey, I love you. <laughs> now, that would be worth turning around for, wouldn't it? Hey, friend, it's good to see you again. You turn around, don't you? You come back. That's the way it works. You turn around to hear good news. Not bad news, but good news. That's what happened to these fishermen. They, they heard good news, and they turned. They changed their mind. They, they followed Jesus when he called them. That's the way it worked. They wanted his love, his forgiveness. The same love, forgiveness, healing that he has for each and every one of you. Each and every one of you calling you to follow, to, to, to be his, his children. There's one more point in this, in this story that, that, that I wouldn't go to the wall for. It's my interpretation. It's just mine, so I, I, I won't hold you to it, guys. It says that Jesus walked along the sea and he saw Peter and Andrew. And then a few verses later it says he saw James and John. I think that's an important little word in there. He saw them. He saw them. It's in his vision of them that they have their identity. In fact, you know, with Peter, he changes his name later. We heard about that last week, didn't we? And we'll hear again. He changes Peter's name. Changes it from, 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 uh, 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 <laughs> it's terrible. Simon to Peter, yes. Their identity is in the one who sees them. We, all modern people, it's just part of who we are as modern people. 
We think our identity is in what we see of ourselves. We think we give ourselves identity. Am I making sense when I say that? We, I look at Wagner and I say, this is who Wagner is. But if that's the case, when they lay Wagner in the ground, what's the end of Wagner? Well, that is the end of Wagner. There's no more, because Wagner doesn't get to look at Wagner anymore. But when he sees me, he knows me, he remembers me. That's my identity. My identity is in the one who sees me and knows me, not in me knowing myself. Am I making sense? Is, is this difficult for you? He sees me, he knows me, he remembers me. And even, even when I stop breathing and they lower me six feet under, what? He still sees me, he still knows me, I, I'm still his child, I still exist in his sight. Is, am, get that? That's really important. That I have my life, not in me, but in him, I think Paul says some of the same thing. I live no longer I, but Christ alive in me. Huh? So my life is, is in the one who sees me. Peter and, James, Peter and Andrew, James and John, their life was in the one who saw them. And he sees you as well. He sees you. Your identity is upheld, hold, kept in his vision. You have your being in this vision he has of you. And, and nothing can destroy that. You see, death can't destroy that. You're safe because that can't get away. He's already passed through death and he, he still sees you, still watching you, still loves you, still forgives you. So Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming good news, good news, the good news of the kingdom of God. This is the time, right now, right now, this is the time, this is the time, not some other time, but this time. This is the time when you are loved, you are forgiven, you are healed, you have a place in his kingdom. I'm telling you that. And you get a chance to share in that kingdom at this table, for he invites his people to gather around this kingdom meal, a kingdom meal, and share in all his promises. Amen.